As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. We are all familiar with the saying, a dog is a man's best friend. And this week, as I was scrolling through my Facebook memories, I saw that we adopted my dog nine years ago this week. And I think this is true of every pet lover, but you can't escape the dread that creeps into your mind when you think about your furry friend crossing into a different part of life before you. But for most of us, our dogs do go on before we do, and they just wait for us to join them. I recently saw a TikTok video that said dogs are the only living creatures that love their humans more than they love themselves. Dogs are sacrificing. We've all seen movies where a dog saves its person's life without even pausing. Maybe you've been in a situation where your dog stopped your house from being robbed or stopped you from being mugged on the street. I know with our girls, they can tell when I come home if I'm stressed or when I'm happy and excited or even when I'm sad. And it seems that they adjust their day around me. What did humans do to deserve such faithful and loving friends? One little boy, Shane, explained it best. You see, Sleuthhounds, his dog hadn't been feeling well. So the family took their sweet pup to the vet. And sadly, the dog was diagnosed with cancer. A cancer no surgery could fix. His family decided to perform the euthanasia procedure for their old doggie in their home. I read online that the vet was quoted as saying, quote, Shane seems so calm, petting the old dog for the last time, that I wondered if he understood what was going on. Within a few minutes, Beckler, the dog, slipped peacefully away. The little boy seemed to accept Beckler's transition without any difficulty or confusion. We sat for a while after Beckler's death, wondering aloud about the sad fact that dogs' lives are shorter than human lives. End quote. And what Shane said next would astound his parents and the vet and lead me to tell you his story today. Shane said, quote, people are born so they can learn how to live a good life, like loving everybody all the time and being nice, right? Well, dogs already know how to do that, so they don't have to stay for as long as we do, end quote. But as you all know, not everyone learns how to be a good person and love everyone all the time. In fact, it seems fewer and fewer of these people exist. In fact, it seems most people are filled with hate, anger, and distrust. And for some, those emotions manifest into something more dangerous like murder, rape, and manipulation. Sadly, the dog in our story today wasn't able to save his human when she was killed on their walk. She succumbed to those people mentioned above. The ones filled with anger and resentment. The ones prone to murder. This is the story of Erica Baker.
Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the case will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, and to follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. Because as these families know, conversation helps to keep their missing family member in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. So, Allison, I feel like since we have started focusing on like these lesser known cases, we are doing more and more children's cases, which is super sad. It is really sad. I mean, like I feel blessed that we can bring like more awareness to these cases, but it makes me really sad that so many of them are children's cases. Right. And you would think, I mean... I think what makes me most sad about it is, you know, when you watch the news and you see horrible stuff on the news all the time and you think like you're seeing the worst of it. And then, you know, when we're getting emails from people or we're doing our research and we realize that's not even the worst of it because there's still so much bad out there. Yeah, it can be honestly a little overwhelming um, and like a little like think it kind of takes a toll on me sometimes like how Mm -hmm. sad and how deep um, some of these cases can be Um, especially Allison and I are in the works with something different for the show and we have been doing some different things and last week um, we just had like a really heart-wrenching conversation that had me in tears so I mean it's just been an emotional roller coaster over here in my world (laughs) (laughs) I know I know I am and what you just mentioned, Maggie, I know our sleuth hounds will be excited to to hear it. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to have an episode that's in a little bit of a different format, but we think that you're going to enjoy it, and it's a story that needs to be told. So mm-hmm. we're excited that we get to share it. Yeah, and hopefully t- with today's story, maybe somebody will know something that will help the Baker family because Erica has been missing for about like right at, I think, 22 years. Wow. So that family's been searching for a long time. Yes, a long time. And she was actually born on June 22nd in 1989. So she is one year older than me. Um, She had three brothers. And although her parents were divorced, like they divorced after she was born, um, she maintained a really good relationship with both her parents. Um, But her primary residence was with her mom, Melissa Baker. And from what I could tell, they were a very close family from what I could tell online. 
Mm-hmm. However, on February 7th in 1999, she spent the majority of that day with her father, Greg, in their hometown of Kettering, Ohio. And I had never heard of Kettering, Ohio. Don't know where that is. So, For some reason, it sounds familiar to me. And I don't know why. Well, I thought that I had heard it before. I think we may have covered a case or talked about covering another case that took place in, I don't know if it was Kettering, Ohio, but I think a Kettering. Or maybe okay. I might just be thinking of like the Ketty family. Oh, right. From California. Yeah. But um, I did Google it because I just wanted to see like, is this a big town? Um, and it's not huge, um, but it's not small like it's way bigger than the towns we grew up in Allison its populations around like um, 56,000 people so not massive but mm-hmm. not what where we came from right um, the cool thing about Kettering is that it has over 20 parks that total 284 acres which I thought was really cool yeah and from the looks of it online like those parks have a multitude of fun activities to do in the summer but we are in February so, oh, so no fun activities oh, out no fun other acti- than snow. Yes. <laughs> um, but Melissa Baker's home was actually super close by to one of those parks. And that's where our story today both ends and begins. Okay. So you see on that cold February day, Greg had just dropped a rather agitated and upset Erica off at, his, at her mom's house, according to the Charlie Project. And why was she agitated and upset? Okay, so she's nine at this time. So just like picture your little sleuth hound at this okay. time. Okay, yeah. So, so basically anything. Yeah. <laughs> she's mad because Greg forgot to get tickets to a father-daughter dance that Erica was dying to attend. And so Aww. she's upset. She was probably a little bit heartbroken. I know. And that's what I thought too, which I mean, I don't know anything about father daughter dances, but I'm assuming like they don't sell out. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> they probably could have just, you know, went shown and up in the door. Right. Yeah. yeah. But they don't go. Um, but eventually Greg is able to calm Erica down before he sends her into Melissa's house. Okay. And we know that she arrived at home. Because of what happens next. So, as I said, she's nine. And as you know, nine-year-old little girls like to think that they're super independent. They think they're adults already. Yes. So, you can imagine, Allison, how excited she was that she was able to take her aunt's dog on a walk in the park that was near their home called Indian Rifle Park. So, okay, I'm torn on this. Maggie. Oh, I know. Because I know it's 99, mm-hmm. which is, to me, that's still recent, even though obviously that's 22 years ago. But I don't know, in a larger city like that, I might have still been too nervous to to let my kid go alone. And I don't know if like, you know, this population of, what did you say, like 55,000 or something like that, if there are areas that are more like secluded and rural so it would seem more safe Mm -hmm. well i didn't look into like you know if they lived in like more of a rural area or if they were you know more in town but i i do know that it seems like this was like pretty regular for her okay 
So I'm assuming that her mom felt confident enough to let her do this. Right. Like she's familiar with the park and you said they live close. So it could have literally been like taking your dog across the street. Yeah. Like maybe their house backed up to the park. I'm not sure honestly how close in proximity they were, but we know that she walks to the park and then walks the dog around the park and she left her house between 3.30 and 4 p.m. Okay. So it's still light outside. Yes, but it's getting dark because it's February. And it gets okay. darker oh, earlier. Right. So I'll come yeah. back to that, though. Okay. So while she's in the park, two people actually walk past her. And they do notice that there's a little girl that we now know to be Erica sitting on a park bench with a little dog on a blue leash. So she's sitting and like she's still holding the leash and the dog is just like walking around her. Okay. And they note the time as just shortly after four. So there's no like interaction really with them. They just walk on, leaving Erica on her bench alone with her faithful companion. So at this point, it's not that long after she's left her family. Yeah, at most, she's only been gone like 35 minutes or so. Okay. But something happens after Erica was last seen sitting with her dog. So the couple sees something else. They actually see a little dog with a blue leash that is running toward them, and the dog is really scared with no owner in sight. So the little dog they just saw with the little girl now is running towards them with no little girl. Yes, yes. And thinking that the dog, like, escaped its owner, for they had long since forgotten that this little dog was the companion of a small child. okay. They call animal controls, you know, hoping that the owner can be found. And as I said, they don't give a second thought to Erica, the girl that they had seen on the park bench. And they are actually the only witnesses to see Erica beyond her family on this day. So they probably maybe just remembered seeing a girl but because it wasn't anything out of the ordinary probably didn't pay super close attention yeah they said that it wasn't until like they saw it on the news that they put two and two together that they that was erica that they had seen and that was her dog so gotcha yes when erica isn't home when it's beginning to get dark her family starts to worry Because like we said, it's February, so it's getting darker earlier. And at 5.30 p.m., it probably is dark in February. And Erica still isn't home. And her three brothers decide to go out and search for her. And I actually listened to a podcast episode called 1999, What Happened to Erica Baker. And it had a lot of information on there. Um, These people are specifically out of Ohio, So I don't know if they had like privy information that I couldn't find online, but some of what they said I could not find online. Maybe I didn't dig deep enough down into the hole, Um, but it was really interesting. Their Hmm. podcast was as well. So at this point, she's been gone like two hours now, which is far too long to just let the dog use the bathroom and come back. Yeah. When the brothers finally make it back home, they do see a familiar face, but not the one they were hoping for. Their family dog has been returned safe for the most part, 
the dog saying, I know. And this was sad. This was, again, according to that podcast episode. Um, But the dog apparently had a bruise on its back and seemed to, like, be really terrified and scared. But it's a little dog. So why did... Why did somebody need to hurt it? Well, I think it may have just been because of what happens later on. Like, I don't think oh. it was necessarily purposeful. Oh, no. I'm super. This is making me, like, sweat. I've got, I'm anxious. Yeah, this case, like, is different than, like, most of our, like, typical, like, quote, unquote, cold cases. Because I guess technically this case has a resolution, sort of, if that makes sense. I guess I'll see you in a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, how do you have a resolution, sort of? But I'm sure I'll hear. (laughs) So the community quickly rallies behind bringing Erica home. And I was actually really impressed by kind of how quickly things fell into place. So before midnight, they have more than three dozen volunteers already assembled looking through the surrounding wooded areas, like looking for Erica. That's really quick. That's awesome for that community that, you know, in just a few hours that they got all these people together to help. Yeah, I thought I agree. Like, I, you know, we know police usually are on the scene by this point. But to have people volunteering looking for her, I thought I was impressed by. Mm-hmm. I was impressed by Kettering. We also have police dogs out sniffing for her scent. Um, they soon put boats on every pond in a radius around her home, scanning the pond, dragging the bottom to see if anything turns up. Divers show up and they start diving down into the water to see if they can see a body or anything like that in this murky, muddy water. Mm-hmm. The next day, the pond near Erica's house was drained. We had more than 400 volunteers searching a four-mile radius around Erica's home. They passed out dozens of flyers. We've gone from three dozen volunteers to 400 volunteers. Yes, and they said they passed out hundreds of flyers. Wow. And hung them up around town. Police interviewed all the sex offenders in the area. And lastly, administered a polygraph test to both Greg and Melissa. So Erica's parents. And both of them passed. Okay, so right now, there's literally no lead. Yeah, I mean, the lead starts and ends with the little dog on the blue leash. That's like really it. But we will find out how maybe the dog got a bruise. Yes, okay. you will. Okay. So, really nothing else comes of Erica's case until the following year when police suddenly announced that they have four suspects. Where did these come from? I couldn't really find, um, like, a, a lot of the research was, like, the same things just written by different sources type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't really find exactly, like, where they came from if it was like a call-in or if you know they came around to this conclusion some other way right but they have four suspects that they are checking out well good i mean multiple leads and they are able to determine that erica was actually hit by a vehicle the day that she went missing hence the dog yeah so i think that has to do with the dog's bruise on its back but 
So did someone like maybe the dog got away from her and she's running after it and then she gets hit and then she's hurt and they take her somewhere? Partly. And I'll come back to the dog in a second. Okay. And the, really, we'll just talk about all of it, really. Okay. So, according to the Charlie Project, the police do get a lead that Erica was struck by a van and killed the day of her disappearance. And the occupants of the car panicked and disposed of her body. So, it's not like maybe it was person A, maybe it was B, maybe C or D. It's all of these people were in this together. Oh. So, they have four suspects, but it's not like four different avenues. They're all they related. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So the tip names one person who in the tip is said to be the driver and that's disputed and we'll talk about it. But okay. as Jan Franks and Jan is a drug addict, not that that makes her a bad person, but mm-hmm. she is addicted to drugs. She has a criminal record. I'm in another man who is kind of the focus of police investigation is Christian Gabriel who in this tip was claimed to have been the passenger. Like I said, some reports claim that Gabriel's or Christian Gabriel's roommates were involved, but they deny that. Okay. So so they would be suspects three and four. Yes. So in some articles I read, they are three and four. And then in some that I read, like they're ruled out when, like when they can prove that they weren't involved. So there's different claims there. Okay. Later, police learned that Jan may not have actually been driving at all. So I guess I could say that the police reason that this isn't what happened. They're not 100% sure, but this is what they think. Yeah, they are speculating. So police have a different idea of what happened the night Erica disappeared. And they actually get a confession that backs up what they claim happened. Okay. I'm following. According to the Charlie project, Christian confessed to the crime to police. Okay. So we have a confession, which is good. Okay. Yeah. He stated that he and Jan were in the vehicle together. And in one article I read, it's just Christian and Jan. Okay. In another article, it's those two plus the two roommates. Right. Okay. So regardless of how many people are involved in this, we are 100% sure that Jan and Christian are both under the influence of drugs and alcohol that day on February 7th. So hence why they would freak out and yeah. all self-preservation. Yeah, and that's not the only illegal thing that they were doing on January 7th, back in 1999. Um, They were also shoplifting, I believe, from a a local Myers grocery store the day that Erica was killed. And they were in that store when they heard sirens going off. And thinking that they had been reported to the authorities, they fled. They quickly ran to the van and sped away. And Christian told police that he was drunk and in the passenger seat and Jan was driving. So they could have, if they thought they were being followed, she might have not even been looking at the road or in front of her. Like she could have been looking behind her and then hit Erica 
or the dog. Yeah, and I think that that's what happened. I think that maybe Erica was crossing the street and couldn't get out of the way of the van and they just weren't paying attention. Also, they're high and drunk, so that also impairs vision. Mm -hmm. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. According to several sources, Christian said that they were driving along down Glengarry Drive near the Kettering Recreation Center when he heard a thud. He <gasps> felt a thud. Oh. Uh, yeah. And that, like, quote-unquote thud that he so heartlessly described was Erica. Oh, my gosh. I know. This story, like, it was sad. Uh, it was sad for me to research. Um, And according to the same report, Christian said that there was blood everywhere. Like, that he got out of the van, there was blood everywhere. This is a fact that I could not verify online. um, And it came from the podcast that I mentioned earlier. uh Because I feel like if there was blood everywhere, we would hear the police say, like, a great deal of blood was found at the scene of the crime. You're right. Then, yeah, it would have seemed obvious what had happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's nothing that I read said, like, a great amount of blood was found. You know, like, nothing like that was said. So, apparently, this group allegedly tried to resuscitate her, but to no avail. And instead of taking her to the local hospital, as I feel the vast majority of people would do. Yes. Christian says that the others threw her into the back of the van and drove to his apartment. Maggie. Yes. First of all, throwing her in the back. Oh, some that, of the way that like she's referred to by this man in interviews is like it's really sad. It's like almost to the point that like I would be talking about like yeah, we have some clothes we're taking to the Goodwill. I yeah. just threw them in the back of my car. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what makes it feel like a punch in the gut. And I'm telling you right now, you know, you want to say for a parent, there's nothing worse than losing a child. But losing a child and then to have somebody treat your child's body in the way that they're talking, that is worse. Yeah. And oh. I'll mention in a second, but... Like, the family just has so many questions that are still unanswered. And that's the saddest part. Because I think the longer that they think about Erica's case and, like, 
Erica's situation, the more scenarios they come up with in their mind. And I think that like they're like the, they just envision worse and worse scenarios that right. she had to go through right? because they don't, because they don't know. So why the heck did he take her back to his apartment? Okay. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're not taking her to the hospital. Maybe we're going back to the apartment because we're like, okay, what do we do now? Okay. I, I mean, that would, oh no. Okay. No, no, no. We're going back to the apartment so we can smoke. I'm assuming crack cocaine i don't really know like if you all thought our conversations about marijuana last episode were entertaining like i literally have no idea anything about crack like what even is crack i don't know what is one do you smoke it yes i don't do you shoot it up do you snort it what does it look like we don't (laughs) i don't know (laughs) like no i i envision like when you get those like the like sea salt and you have to crack it that's what i picture crack or cocaine like the lime for. like you see in movies or is that just is crack cocaine different than regular cocaine i don't know i don't know okay, don't google clearly... it on your school computer though maggie <laughs> okay i won't we'll just speculate okay that is so they just they took her there because they were like oh let's just you know, get high again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And while they are in this drug-induced state, Christian claims they decide to dispose of her body at Huffman Dam Metro Park. Again, he claims that he stayed in the car. Like, he's, in some reports, said that when Erica was hit, he stayed in the car. and other reports, he said he got out. But in this case... He's saying when they go to dispose of her body, he stays in the car. I'm just not buying it. Well, he's not very reliable because Christian actually leads police on several wild goose chases for Erica's body, but nothing was ever discovered. Dogs never picked up on her scent at any of these locations. And investigators actually stated that they were not going to search again for her remains unless they found more evidence indicating where she actually was. This guy, the nerve to have done this to somebody's child and then to be like, I mean, that was was somewhere, you know, like I think it was at this park and then nothing there. Yeah. He literally said they just laid her somewhere like. She's just somewhere. Oh, I'm not really sure gosh. where, but she's out there somewhere. Yeah. Wow. Again, like that's how I would describe clothes I'm taking to donate to yeah. Google. Prosecutor said Christian wasn't telling the whole truth. They're not really buying his story. They do administer a polygraph tests and his results come back inconclusive, which we know really means nothing. I know. But in this Chris- case, I'm... I'm buying the fact that he's guilty. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. because I don't think that he's acting like a good human should. Well, they would agree. And they say Christian was the one actually driving the van when it hit Erica and that he buried her body. Hmm. So they're putting him. They do. Prosecutors do believe that 
Jan was in the van with him. Apparently, they were like boyfriend, girlfriend. Okay. Which is weird in a minute because she also has a husband that they talk about. So, what? not really sure what's going on there. Hmm. But, um, like, people that knew Christian said nobody else would drive his van. So, like, it basically had to be him driving. Okay. So, even though we can conclude that Jan was in the vehicle, police are never able to convict her of anything. And she would actually overdose in 2001. And so, we really don't know. Wow. We do know one thing, though. What's that? And you're going to be like, are you for real? Oh, no. Gosh. <sighs> I know. And this one, this one, like, it may, as a professional, this may be mad. Oh, no. So, one thing that we do know is that Jan's lawyer, Beth Lewis, refused to tell police what, if anything, Jan had told her about Erica's case. And she cited attorney-client confidentiality. Does that not end when Erica passed away? So I'm not actually 100% sure, like, in the state of Kentucky what it does. But I read that in Ohio, there's actually a law where a dead person's spouse can waive that attorney-client confidentiality for them. Like after they pass and, a, after they pass away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Jan's husband actually signs that to authorize this confidentiality thing to be lifted. So he says to this lawyer, it's okay for you to tell whatever Jan told you happened and the lawyer's still not talking. So she actually is held in contempt of court and eventually jailed because she will not say what Jan told her in regards to this case, what? which makes me think Jan knew something. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like who is this Beth Lewis? Who is Jan to you? Like, if that's just like my client and they're like, listen, you have to tell me this or you're going to jail. I'd be like, okay, homegirl said this this and then this wow i'm not gonna protect her right okay so i did just google it while we're talking and it does say that attorney client privilege does continue even after death but it does say that it can be waived in certain circumstances yeah and so this is one of them and she just ignores that wow and I actually read in one article that it wasn't until, I could be misquoting this article, but I think it said, like, until it went to the Supreme Court and they said, like, you have to divulge the information that you know to authorities that she actually told police what she knew. So she did tell. Eventually. It could have been, I guess, maybe the state sure, Supreme like, Court. Yeah, probably. That sounds more correct than, like. Supreme Washington Court, Supreme Court. Um, yeah. The big, <laughs> the big RB, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. Yeah. <laughs> doing the case. But I guess, you know, I keep thinking how sad this must be for Erica's parents. And first, it's sad to lose oh, yeah. your child. 
And then it's even worse to have your child's body treated the way it was and talked about the way it was. It's even more sad to have the people who know what happened to her lead police on wild goose chases. So like when you think that there can be closure, there's not. And then it's even more sad to know that someone out there had information about Erica from this Jan girl and won't divulge it, even though she can. Right. And even, so even though she finally did come forward and say, like, whatever she knew, we actually do not know what she told police because that's never been made public have they ever found her body okay well we're gonna get to that okay so after all of these different stories circulate as to what happened to erica police finally agree on the following erica was walking the dog at approximately 4 p.m they know this because when they ask greg because he knows she's walking a dog he was like yeah Like, we got out of the van. I'm obviously paraphrasing. But basically, like, we got out of the van and we saw a dog on the leash. Or, like, maybe he even said, I saw her walking the dog or something like that. We know that Christian hit her. He made the choice not to get her help and instead buried her body in a park. And police say that they believe he knows exactly where her body is located. And like I said earlier, um... I do think that because her case has been, like, not really unsolved, but, like, none of the loose ends have been tied up. Right. I do think Erica's family, like, visions of what happened to her grow worse and worse. um, Because one of their fears is that Erica may not have actually been dead when she was put into the back of the van and either died in the van, which I could see like really happening I could or that she was buried alive oh my gosh I just pray that one of those scenarios is not the case yes I would just hope that she did not have to suffer and feel pain Mm. because you know as you all know I have a list of irrational fears one of which is being buried alive yep and, like, I'll just be sitting on the couch watching TV, and I'm like, okay, if someone buried you alive, how would you get out? Like, and I'm, like, trying to figure out how I would get out. <laughs> the workings of my brain. You know, I did hear, did I tell you about this? That that phrase, like, you know, you're a dead ringer for somebody. Did I no. tell you where that comes from? No. Or I heard? Okay, well, this is just going to feed into your irrational fear. Okay. But that when they would bury people, there was literally, like, a bell in the box like in the coffin. So if you were accidentally buried and you were still alive, you could like ring it. Oh, okay. Well, so you're it's like an alarm that system. When I coffin. die, I need to tell Anthony to put, put a an bell. alarm system. Put a bell. There's your solution. See? Yeah. Now you don't have to worry. You know what? I just helped you out. Now you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, exactly. So a uh, little side story the college that I attended is supposed to be haunted. I may have told you this. And um, apparently, like a lawyer in town, I believe, his wife, they thought was dead. And she ended up not being dead. And they buried her alive. 
And then they end up figuring out that she had some type of illness that just slows your breathing and your heart rate. This was obviously like in like 1800 something and um, or even earlier, maybe. But they figure out she has like some disease that just slows your breathing and your heart rate. This is making me think of the fall of the House of Usher. Well, they dig her out. They dig her up. And there are claw marks on the inside. Of her <gasps> oh, my gosh. Okay, now I'm going to have nightmares. Oh, Thanks, baby. Maggie. You're welcome. So, but I, I am going to pray, yes, that little Erica did not suffer at all. I mean, <sighs> that well, the impact, parents- I guess, you know, was enough that she didn't feel pain. Yes. And her family does get a little bit of closure. Um, just three days before the statute of limitations expires on the charges against Christian Gabriel, he was actually indicted um, for tampering of evidence and gross abuse of a corpse in connection with Erica's case. Um, and actually, I read that the grand jury had the option of indicting him on a range of offenses, such as aggravated murder and vehicular homicide, but they declined to do so. They also declined to indict another suspect that I'm going to leave like unnamed because uh-huh. he was never, you know. Was this one of the roommates? I think so, yes. I mean, um, I want to be mad at the jury, but I mean, if there's no evidence, then. Right, no no evidence, evidence. no conviction. Yeah. Christian did plead not guilty to the charges, and he actually maintains his innocence in Erica's disappearance. Well, I don't believe that. He stated, yeah, he stated his confession was completely untrue, and he only made it up because he was being pressured by the police. Well, I mean, we've talked about false confessions before. That's true. They do happen. I don't know. I just want her family to have closure, and that's why I'm wanting to be him to be guilty, so then they can have closure. Right, and he, so he does go to jail, and he serves his time, and he's released in 2011. Um, so that's why, why I said this, like, really isn't, like, I guess our typical cold case story, because we know what happened to her. We know she was hit by a car. We know that it was this guy, and that he's gone to jail I guess the cold case part of this story is that there's still no body. Mm. So after all this time. Now, he could have been so high that he doesn't remember. But I will say this. As much as I want closure for this family, the more I think about it, the fact that Jan's attorney, whatever, she had to have had some information that was bad on Jan mm-hmm. or else she wouldn't have taken it to that extreme because yeah. if Jan had told her she wasn't involved, then she would have just said she wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the fact that in terms of evidence, there's not enough to indict Christian for those steeper offenses tells me that they didn't have as much on him and the fact that you know that's in 2004 and he's released in 2011 I mean that's you know six seven years Mm -hmm. that's not and I know it's on lesser charges 
But I'm wondering if that information that they finally got from that lawyer basically implicated Jan. Maybe Jan. And because she's deceased, there's no prosecution of her. And I was wondering, too, like when I was reading this, like this isn't a typical case where like he, as far as we know, as far as the evidence points that like he purposefully killed her. Like, I guess this is more of like a accident. That's hard because I feel like his choices after the accident are purpose. Yes. And so that was that was my question. So, like, I guess if, say, you're in a car accident and, like, you're hit and you die, like, the person that killed you, they're not charged with, like, murder like most of the people we talk about would be charged with murder, correct? Right. I think. I think that's why it's, like, the vehicular homicide. Like vehicular like they, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And then I'm assuming... Because the body was moved, that was the gross abuse of a corpse, right. and and the evidence tampering, right. So maybe and that make, does I do kind of agree with you. Maybe that the information that Beth Lewis told them, like, kind of puts Jan as the more bad guy, and right. Christian was just kind of involved, just there, right. Hmm. Erica's family has broken the silence regarding her case. Her brother told a news station in Ohio, quote, he's a coward. He needs to step up. He wants to pretend like he's a man, but he needs to be a man and do the right thing, end quote. Erica has been missing for 22 years, and we're no close to finding where she is than when we started in 1999. Her family still holds on to hope that one day they will know how Erica died and be able to properly bury her. My heart breaks for them. Erica's mom told interviewers, quote, I'm not going to see her walk down the aisle. I'm not going to hold her children. Just please, just for Erica's sake, tell us where she's at, end quote. In the intro, I talked about passing into a phase of life without your fur best friend and how devastating it is to watch something so pure and so full of love simply no longer exist. Imagine the pain Erica's family is experiencing. Erica is more precious than any animal could ever be. She was more pure. She was full of love and full of life. And she never got the chance to live. While this isn't our typical cold case, since someone has been convicted, Erica's body is still missing. And we need to do what we can to bring her home. If you have any information regarding this case, or where Erica's remains may be located, you can call the Kettering Police Department at 937-296-2555. Again, please like and join us on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and to see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffee and cases podcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so that more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. week.